In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Wow. It is a new chapter in our life together. And it's a good and beautiful thing that we can be together, even if we're not able to be here in person. I keep thinking that we have entered um, a real season of Lent. And I imagine that moment when we are able to gather again, we will more fully know the resurrection. Please know that as we figure out what it means to be community and united, that we are still very much being church. And we are committed to remaining connected and reaching out in love. It feels a little bit different to be preaching to a webcam and empty pews, but even empty, I know that we are united in our love of God. And we are exploring new models of outreach and pastoral care, and I hope that we can share plans with you soon. We're exploring new classes and have launched groups online, and even our children had children's chapel this morning via an online chat group but I'm glad that you're here online. 
We have two pretty incredible passages about light and darkness. In Ephesians, we hear that beautiful passage, once you were darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. But now in the Lord you are light. It is not that the darkness went away. It is that we have found light. And then in John's Gospel, we hear the words of Jesus, Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Both passages assume a reality in the world that is tough to reckon with, darkness. And yet both offer a profound hope that light is shining in the midst of it. feel a little like darkness right now, or maybe a better word is chaos. The stories of toilet paper and flour and bread vanishing from reality, or apparently you've bought all of it and I'm left without any of it. And then we have no sports to talk about. It is not the world that we knew three weeks ago. And since I'm preaching on Facebook, a first for me, I should let you know that we've been offering the Episcopal services of morning and noonday prayer online every day at 8.30 and noon. And yesterday in morning prayer, we heard from the Gospel of Mark where Jesus told everyone to not be too concerned with washing your hands. And now in today's reading, he is spitting on mud and rubbing that mud on a blind man's eyes. Maybe it's a good thing that we are meeting remotely because Jesus obviously wasn't concerned about COVID-19. I say all this lightly. I reckon many of you are very anxious and concerned. I am. The stuff about health in our vulnerable populations is pretty unnerving the financial implications for many in our country, especially those whose work is in jeopardy or who've had to let go or furlough people that they deeply care about, my heart goes out to you. We are united as the body of Christ and part of what that implies is that we share each other's burdens. So maybe this is a call for us to creatively think about how we might support each other in this time. This is where we begin to find some light in the darkness. But it's not the only place. I returned nine days ago from an 11-day journey to the Holy Land in Israel, Palestine, with many others from our community. It was supposed to be a 10-day trip, but as we traveled, the world began to unravel. Our flights were canceled and then they were rebooked several days later and then they were canceled again. My wife and two children were 6,000 miles away. A few others on the trip had spouses who were halfway around the world. Others had left friends or children or grandchildren or parents. And there came a moment when we weren't sure how or when we were going to get back. 
I messaged the United States Embassy. It could have just been bad communications from the travel company, but I think there was this genuine feeling that when we were in Jerusalem and flights began to run at 30% of their normal frequency, there was an increased sense of worry. And then our president announced to the country that we were shutting down all incoming flights from Europe, and we later learned this wasn't quite the way it was going to happen. And there was this feeling inside of me of, oh crap, what have we gotten ourselves into? Now I look forward to sharing pictures of the beautiful places we visited and how we learned more about the historical Jesus, but that is not my intent this morning. What is more relevant is what happened through that process. On the second day, we adopted a practice that we now are doing every morning. We would get on the bus, we would eat our breakfast, and then at 8 a.m. we would get on the gold bus. I had a gold name tag that said Bus Captain John. It was pretty ridiculous. And then our Palestinian tour guide, Rajai, would hand me the microphone and we would read the daily scriptures that so many of us are now reading on Facebook. The Bible readings that Episcopalians all over the world read daily. And the same readings that we all seem to be reading now that morning prayer has become a thing in our church again. And it struck our entire group that we found ourselves smack in the middle of a story that was unfolding our entire trip. Most of the chapters in the 40s in Genesis where Joseph is being separated from his brothers and his father Jacob and they are longing for that day when they would meet again. And as we listened to his, this story, it became our story. We realized that the desire and longing for loved ones of being separated from each other, of wanting to be back home, wanting to be in our pews. These weren't new feelings. Now this is why it's important. Because when we listened to that story each morning, what happened was interesting. Our loved ones back home were just as concerned as ever. But those of us on the trip found a way to have our anxieties lessened. Or maybe it was as if God was carrying our burden. There was a sense of peace and calm and confidence that all shall be well, all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. It was the practice of reading Scripture and community that united us through a shared story, and it lessened the burdens of all. Now, I don't mean to share this irresponsibly. We could have gotten stuck or quarantined or isolated for much longer. What happened was not God's magic hand getting us home because of our prayer. Instead, what happened is when we gather in Christian community, when we continue with this 2,000-year process of hearing scriptures together, a light is kindled in the darkness. When we listen to each other, when we pray for each other, when we hear the story and the struggle of God's people, we know that our struggle is a part of the larger struggle, and God is present in the midst of it.
Did you notice in John's Gospel that night is coming when no one can work? I think that night might be beginning to fall. For many of us, these next three to four months will be especially painful and difficult. And I suspect that there are other moments in your life that feel like darkness. The tenderly loving someone as they die. The loss of a friendship or a relationship. The grief of failure and loss. There is so much of our life that can be challenging or difficult or feel like darkness. And yet Jesus says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. How do we know that Jesus in a time of social isolation? I want to invite you to begin a new adoption this Lent. I think many of you are going to be home, maybe more attached to your phones or computers than before, and maybe that's okay. I want to invite you to join us daily on Facebook at 8.30 a.m. or at noonday to hear the story of God's people. I want to invite you to visit the website and sign up to get the daily reflection that focuses on Scripture. Because when we hear God's Word together, we see Jesus' light shining in the darkness. My favorite story in all of Scripture comes from Luke when two disciples are walking on a road to Emmaus. There's a little side note that it's one of the places that we visited um, or one of the places that people think that, that that was Emmaus. And the disciples arrive there and they break bread and they realize that this person that they have walked with had opened their scriptures to them. And they say, were our hearts not burning within us when he was talking to us, when he was opening the scriptures? No matter what it is that we are to face these coming days, no matter what it is that we are to face the rest of our lives, God is always in our midst. When we support each other, the world gets a little brighter. And if we hear the story of God's people, we realize that our story is a part of God's story. And the light gets a little brighter. That is what we are doing today. It's just in a very different way, maybe on our phones. But we can see who's watching with us. We are reminded that our story is a part that began with the beginning of the cosmos. And that same story is the story that we are a special part of too. Our joys and our pains are part of God's unfolding story. One of the most quoted theologians of the church is Julian of Norwich. I'm grateful for my friend Becky drawing attention to the fact that at eight years old, her community was ravaged by black death. She then survived the peasant revolts and the Lollard persecutions. And her faith and her knowing of the story was so strong that the one saying that we know from Julian of Norwich is all shall be well, all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. I keep thinking that in the midst of these days, these dark days, our faith will be removed in the most profound way. I'm finding my faith, my love of the story of God renewed 
I hope you are as well. Or maybe you are willing and have the time to dig a little bit deeper. No matter what you are experiencing, God is here with you. And we are here with you as well. May we be united in God's word so that we know that Jesus Christ is here casting a light in the darkness, being the light in the darkness. Amen.